Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Stacey Paisley. I'm 28 and I'm from... Greenwood, which is an airfield. Airfield. I don't know Greenwood, but even though I know where... Do you know I know Arnagraina? It's like literally off the Darndale roundabout. Ah. Like Darndale's one end and where do you the other end. Okay. That's way to describe it. <laughs> I love side Darndale. <laughs> but you still class yourself as posh being from uh, airfield, no? Oh no, it's more... No. Not years ago was airfield... Like for me growing up, airfield was so posh. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> And come here, Stacey, your auntie is a very long-time follower of mine since I've started at the beginning, Martina's been following me. Um, and we always used to kind of like DM on Instagram and stuff like that. And she just was like, you need to sit down with Stacey. Um, so before I say why, like, why did she, first of all, yeah, why did she say I needed to sit down with you? Um, I don't know. Like, I suffer with my mental health and I have since 2016. And I... I write blogs to kind of get my story out there and let other people know that it's not okay to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm just very real about it. Like I don't try to sugarcoat my illness or yeah, I'm just very real about it. And I say it how it is and I don't like shy away from it. So you're like an advocate just going out there and trying to speak and trying to help. Yeah, no, I don't speak to anyone. I just like, I write my blogs every now and again. I write my blogs when I'm sick. I don't write them when I'm well because yeah. I feel like it's a real... I try to not separate it but it's my mental health so I do it when I'm in the thick of it mm. rather than when I'm well and I'm just going about like I'm just normal go about my ordinary life so there's no point so tell me then before we go into that that's from the very beginning growing up in green it was a green greenwood greenwood growing up in greenwood who's in the house how many people around and what's the road like and what was it growing up um who's in the house my mom my dad and my brother mm. it was yeah that's all there's only the four of us and then growing up yeah, I kind of had a handful of friends, but if I had a fight with them, that'd be it. They wouldn't be my friends again. For your choice? For my choice, yeah. yeah mm. I'd be very black and white about that. Mm. Um, yeah, it was quiet enough. Had a few friends, went to school. I was bullied an awful lot in school. Really? Um, yeah, I was a small, ginger, red-haired girl, so I was bullied an awful lot through primary and secondary school. How did that manifest? What was that like, the bullying? I used to dread going to school. I'd hate seeing the other girls I went to a mixed primary school but I went to an all-girls secondary school and I hated it I hated going to school I'd make up any excuse to not have to go to school I'd be sick all the time I'd be in school and I'd be ringing home I'd be like oh my foot's sore can I come home please like any excuse to get out of it I just I hated school and did that affect your education oh yeah I had no real 
interest I mm. went in like I wouldn't be the brightest but I wouldn't be stupid either but mm. like I was like the normal student I'd yeah. go in and just I'd do my homework I'd do my classwork but I just didn't want to be there I just hated absolutely everything about it and did you not have like a constant while you were in there like someone that you could just oh yeah I did I had my friends like mm. I had a good group of friends when I was in school mm-hmm. I had loads of different friends like I've always had different groups of friends because as I said if someone annoys me I don't want to speak to them so I'd go to a different group then mm. but um yeah I'd have I had a good group of friends it's not that I didn't I just I didn't want to be there I just it wasn't for me and did that like see when you say about the black and whiteness of your life with friends did that carry through oh yeah. is that still carrying that's still through? carrying through but it's only now when I got my diagnosis it's part of it so it makes sense but yeah that still carries through to this day and then when did you start to realize that hang on I'm not typical or that there might be something wrong with me or it's going on from a really young age like if my mom and dad said they were going out tonight I'd be like this is the end of the world they're going to go out and get hit by a car and I'm going to be left forever I'm going to have no parents who's going to look after me like and no matter what age I was like even when I was 18 and they were going away on holidays I was like they're going to die in a plane crash that's it I'm going to just going to be me and my brother left on our own and then like if it was a last minute night out I'd sob and like my family used to be like to my mom she's a winch back she needs to cop on yeah and my mom be like yeah it's just the way she is and then one night my dad was going away the next morning my mom was out and I had ended up having a fight where and I over I took loads of salt in so I was like this will kill me now and I won't I think I was only about 12 and I just told her that like I took too many of them she brought me to D-Doc she had a stomach I just kept getting sick and sick and sick mm. and she brought me to d I was like oh it's a stomach bug and I went home I told her so tell me how you got to that point so what happened your dad was going away my dad was going away the next day I don't know why me and my mom had an argument over something stupid now as I said I was only a kid and I was like, I don't want to be left to her. And my dad's not going to be here and I'm not going to be left to her. So I know what I'll do. I just won't be around. So you were thinking that your dad's going to die. Yeah. Going away on a plane crash. You're going to be left with your mom. Yeah. And you just didn't want to be in that situation. Yeah. And it was only years later that we kind of realised. I never told her why I'd done it. I just told her, oh, I had a stomach pain. I didn't want to tell you. So I just took some salpidine. I must have taken too much. So you told her that that night, did you? And, yeah. what, and how did she react to it? She was like, what do you mean you didn't tell me that you had a stomach pain? Like, you can't be taking tablets without me knowing. I was like, oh, right, yeah, sorry. And then after you do that, what's the feeling? Like, does that, do you carry on that kind of heavy weight or does it lift? I didn't really, I can't really remember. I, mm. I really don't remember. I just remember that significant event. That's yeah. what I tried to do. And then I thought nothing else of it. I was still really young. Yeah. And then another night out, they said, it was a last minute night out. Like, we all have, mm. like, their friends were saying we're going out for drinks. I wasn't prepared. So I tried to choke myself with a belt. Like, they didn't know, I didn't tell them, but, like, yeah. just because I was like, I can't cope, like, I'm going to be left without them. And isn't it like that, you know, nowadays, where years ago we used to be like, oh, just, like, attention-seeking, and I think people like you talking about it and everyone else talking about it, and I do think it's like a fine line of being woke and about the kids being yeah. so woke today, but also that you have to take every single little thing that a child does as like serious you have to take it serious yeah 100 percent. you like, can't say attention seeking stuff like they can't, she's a whinge back that's what all i got as a grown like grown up and it wasn't until i was diagnosed with my illness that there were abandonment is a big part of my illness like i have abandonment issues and my mom was like oh my god my auntie like my auntie martina then mm. said she was like oh god 
I called you a whinge back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but mm. she didn't. Like, she meant nothing by no, it. It was just what was said. Mm. But when you think about it, it's just... And we're... Like, because obviously you're in a loving home. Mom, dad and a brother. Like, so obviously the two of you got, uh, probably got everything you wanted. So where did the abandonment issues come from? Is that just something in the brain? It was just something. Like, mm. it's just... It's one of these... It, it's one of the traits of my illness. Like, that's mm. just what it is. But they think it all stemmed from me being bullied as in school. Yeah, that's where they think it came from. Like, when my mom was saying, like, as you said, she comes from a loving home. Like, nothing's ever happened to her. Like, my diagnosis is, you know, if you're a result of abuse or something like that. My mom's like, nothing has happened like that to her. So why has this happened? Oh, my God. Like, if... Like, I'd fucking punch the head off them bullies. Yeah. And this is the thing, like, I don't think people realise the effect... No, they don't. ...that they can have on people grown through their lives and taking this with them and then the knock-on effect of you know your children and you trying to get be safe and you trying to be healthy and making sure you're not passing on your traits to your it's people and kids especially are so fucking horrible. they're evil yeah like evil there's no other word for it like kids are just awful mm. like yeah they're just even like my little boy is in play school now and I'd be like who'd you play with today and there's a little boy in his class that I don't think he speaks English and I'm like did you talk to so-and-so no, he doesn't talk. I said, yeah, but you have to try talk to him. I said, you have to be nice and play with him because, like, I know he's only three, so he doesn't realise, mm, but I don't mm. want him growing up now saying, well, he doesn't talk to me, so I won't. Because mm. you don't, never know, kids are shy as well. So. Yeah. It's just, it's like, awful. it is, it's, it's awful. So then tell me then, go, did you stay through school? Did you do your leaving? I don't know, yeah, I don't mm. at all. Um, I said all the way through, my mum and dad wouldn't, they wouldn't be like, yeah, you can leave, they're like, you need your education. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to college, they dropped out after their junior cert, so they they were a big pushing, like, you need to do this. So i done that, and then I went to college. I'd done a PLC first, because I didn't know what I wanted to do, so mm-hmm. I'd done that in nursing, and I absolutely loved it. So I went on to DCU then, play. and done my intellectual disability nursing, but when I was in third year, that's when I noticed I was becoming unwell. So the doctor said, take a little time out of college. So I ended up taking a full year out. Now you say, go back there um, about being unwell. How you start noticing what was happening? I started getting real agitated all the time. Like I used to call it the Incredible Hulk because it was like my whole body was taken over. And I just, like I'm not a violent person, but I'd be throwing things. I'd be smashing things. I'd be losing my temper. Like if someone looked at me the wrong way, I'd lose my temper and all hell would break loose. It was like complete polar opposite to me because... Like, I'm quite in with myself. Like, I wouldn't... If I felt like I was going to upset someone, I'd be awfully upset myself. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. take out my moods on anyone. I used to just go off and do my own thing. But I couldn't do that anymore. Um, and then I noticed that I was just... I was Yeah, I was coming in on myself. I didn't want to be going to college. I didn't want to be eating. I didn't want to be drinking. I completely cut my friends off. I had no interest in them. So that's what I'd done. And then one Mother's Day... My mum was going out and I said, well, curl your hair, I'll do something different for you. She's like, oh, lovely, yeah, curling her hair. And then she made some sort of comment about someone, which I didn't like. Well, I told her I wasn't straightening her hair, I wasn't curling her hair anymore. We were finished. And whatever way she reacted, I went and tore up her Mother's Day card and threw her presents in the bin. And all. I was like, you don't deserve them. You're a horrible person. I went upstairs and then I stormed out of the house and she followed me. I ended up bringing my boyfriend, Mark, at the, well, he is still my boyfriend, and... <laughs> um, and we went off and we sat down in Dolly Mount Beach and I just cried and cried and cried. I went back to his house and I cried and cried and cried. And then I felt so guilty. I went out and bought her all new presents. And then the next morning she was like, right, enough is enough. It's time to go and see the doctor. And that was the start then of 
hell. It's the only way I could describe it. Like my whole life was turned upside down in that moment. How? I went to see the doctor. He put me on antidepressants. But from on, from then, I just got sicker and sicker and sicker. I used to suffer chronic migraines. So they thought it was down to that, like my mood, because I'd always have a migraine. And then I start getting suicidal thoughts. I start wanting to self-harm. So Beaumont wouldn't look after me anymore. They said, we're not equipped. You're going to have to go to a mental health team. They were trying to get me in with a psychologist at the time to see, like to work through getting migraines and moods and stuff, but they wouldn't see me. Back to the GP. He was like, I don't know how long it's going to take to refer you to, on, to the doctor. I'm going to give you more meds. They still didn't work. I didn't sleep in about three weeks. He put me on sleeping tablets. I started hallucinating. So then my mum got in touch with PA House. So she rang me. We went for a walk and she rang me and she said, you're going to have to speak to him. I was like, no, no, no. That means it's real. No, by the time I get this out, it's going to be real. Like I was suicidal at this time. and Like I had started to self-harm. And she was like, no, you're going to have to ring them. So I rang them and we got an appointment. Well, things just kept getting worse. My mum brought me to A&E. And the doctor I seen there was like, you're a smart girl. You know, you don't you don't want to harm yourself. So like, no, I really do. No, you don't. So he just gave me benzos. And that was it, sent me home. Things were getting still getting worse, like more self-harm, more. I had tried to commit suicide three times at this stage. And like, it was just, it was living hell. So they said, my mum rang my GP one day and she was like, can't go on like this to counsellor and PA house. It was like, your distress levels are gone off the roof. They were like, we can't. Like, you need to be seen. So my mum brought me back to A&E. She brought my dad with me. My dad sat and cried. I was like, get him out of here. He just didn't know what to do. I was like, get him out of here. So my mum actually rang my auntie Martina and she came up and sat with us. We, But in A&E, when you present yourself with mental health issues, they need to do blood tests. They treat you like you're physically sick. They don't treat you like you're going in with this issue. They need to make sure that it's not physical. I said, you'd never turn up to a mental health hospital. And they say come on, we do a full workup on your mental health when you have a broken arm. So did, I had to sit in A&E for all those hours waiting on blood tests and, like, scans. And then when all of them came back clear, then they'd only ring the psychiatrist. So then I had to wait for the psychiatrist to come over. At this stage, I was up the walls. They were giving me Ativan to calm me down. I was pacing. I was just so restless. I didn't know mm. what to do with all this energy. I was pacing. I was starting to, like, lose it then. So eventually the psychiatrist came over and we were brought into a separate room and she said something and I don't know I can't remember what she said but I remember getting up and throwing a chair I was like I'm out of here and Tina my auntie like literally stood blocking the door with her hands she was like you're not going anywhere until we get you sorted and the doctor wanted to admit me but they had no beds my mom was like look I'll bring her home I promise you I'll keep her safe and then she said she put me on antipsychotics and she said I think you have an illness called borderline personality disorder we were like, great, finally a diagnosis. I know it's not, I know I'm not going mad now. She said, I'm going to refer you to the Darndale Mental Health Team. So I had an appointment with them on the Wednesday. So just say this was a Sunday maybe. And when she says that to you, is that like absolute relief on your part that you have that diagnosis? It was, yeah, because I was like, right, it's not all on my, I just thought I was going mad. I really thought I was going mad because I was like, I had changed completely. I didn't like anything to, that I liked before I didn't like eating I didn't like drinking and then like no one could even say hello to me without thinking I was going to attack them like the way my mom and dad brother and even Mark has described it they were like we just walked on eggshells we walked on eggshells for a few months like that's all we could do 
And it was only years later my mum said to me, three occasions. I said, what three occasions? She said, I wanted to throw you out. I had enough of you. I couldn't, but she didn't. Like, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with all my family. They're so supportive. But they just put up and shut up and just kept saying, it's not you, it's not you. I was like, but this is me. What do you mean it's not me? It is me. I'm doing this. I'm the one throwing plates. I'm the one cutting myself. I'm the one with phone wires wrapped around my neck. I'm the one with knives in my hands. Like, I'm the one writing suicide notes. So don't be saying it's not me. It is me. This is me now. And they were like, it's not you. It's not you. But in that time, like, it was me. So then you get referred to the Darndale Mental Health. Yeah. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, and they're the best mental health team in the whole entire world. I'm really? absolutely blessed. I have my own nurse um, and the doctors are amazing. So they've done a real lengthy assessment and we must have been in there. They interviewed me first and they interviewed my mom. Then they interviewed me and my mom. Then they brought my auntie in. My auntie came with us as well because she just stuck to us like glue then because no one in the family had known up until my mom made that phone call in the hospital to her to ask her to come up. No one in the family knew what was going on because I didn't want anyone to know. I was I was like, no, this is all in my head. I don't want them to know. And when I think back now, like I had isolated my mom from her whole family as well. Mm-hmm. Like she needed support and she couldn't get it because I wouldn't let them tell her. I was ashamed. Like I had that stigma in my head. This is like, this is not okay. It's not, it's not okay to feel like this. And like, no one should know because I was embarrassed. Mm. Like, that's what I was. I was embarrassed that why me? Like, I'm normal. What do you mean? Mm. Because I still to this day, I say people don't get mental health issues because you can't see them. Like, if I had a broken arm, no one would think twice while I was off work or like why I don't want to go out or why I don't want to do this. But with mental health, you can't see it. So people are like, ah, would you stop? Like, come on. Like, still in this day and age, people are still like, I oh, know, you'd be grand. Come on, like, cheer up. <laughs> it's just mad. So we done the assessment, and they diagnosed me and said, this that's what it is, it's borderline personality disorder. It's a personality disorder that, like, my views on the world are black and white. There's no, I don't see colour. Um, it's a dysregulation in your emotions. I don't be able to regulate my emotions like any other person can, like, when they're sad it consumes me and it takes over and I don't know what to do with it. Um, it's like when I'm angry and that's, they explained that's why I couldn't control my anger anymore because I was so consumed by anger. I didn't know what to do with it. So they say it's like a pressure pot. The steam was building, 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 building and I had nowhere to go until it exploded. And then they kept me on meds. I started a course called Dialect Behavioural Therapy which teaches you how to deal with your emotions and deal with life. And I'd done that as a group, in a group setting first. I was still going to PA house. And then, like, each day kind of got better. No, first of all, I didn't accept my diagnosis then. And I was like, That's what, what I you wanted mean? to ask you. I have yeah. a mental health diagnosis. Mm. I was like, what does, no way. I don't have that. No, no, no. So from having the relief of getting some, like getting a diagnosis mm. and knowing what this was to like a complete flip, I was like, Oh, no, 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 no. Like, I was doing mental health in college. I was like, I haven't got that. I don't know. I'm normal. No, I'm normal. But now I've accepted I am normal. But I just have this thing that, yeah, I have it. And that's just life. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has. It's like my nurse always refers to, if you had diabetes, you wouldn't be saying you weren't normal. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Yeah. If you said you had diabetes or epilepsy or something, like, no one's going to look at you twice. So... But back then it wasn't like that. 
and then and did you throw yourself once you accepted that did you throw yourself into those group meetings or did you push back I pulled away because I was like I don't have this no I was just being an absolute brat like at my appointment they said to me clear out a room of all like sharp things like like self-harming is not that's how I dealt with my emotions that's the only that's the only way I got relief was by cutting I used to cut my stomach so no one would see it and I'd pick up anything sharp that I could find like I'd bite pens and break them to use the sharp end of the plastic and then I'd still be hiding it because no one would know it was on my stomach so they wouldn't know like I'd pull out my skin until it bled and like so scary pick out my lips and stuff but just didn't like that was the only way that I could cope with what was going on and I just just became second nature so they said no way clear out our room and I wouldn't let my mom clear out my room every time she said something I was like no I was like no don't do that that's no no don't need to do that and then one night I put a foam wire around my neck and I just I held it and held it and then I heard my dad say something out on the landing and I was like in a trance and I kind of woke up then I was like what have I just done like I couldn't believe it so the next morning my mom marched me up to see the psychiatrist like marched me up and the psychiatrist the consultant psychiatrist I seen that day and she was like your life's gone one or two ways you're gonna stay like this or you can get better she was like you need to give it over now if you want to get better you need to get better and I kind of from that day onwards I was like okay I'm gonna get better she just something clicked to me cleared out my room of all sharp things my mom had my tablets at this stage because I'd planned an overdose overdose and so she kept my tablets and she hid them um so she gave me my tablets every night and then I threw myself into the group meetings completely I made myself up um, a self-soothing box that I take out and I had bubbles in it I made myself like a soothing bottle it was like a lava lamp and mm. um, I'd colouring books in it I had a blanket in it everything that went I felt like I, the way I did I take it all out and relax that way and is that a mechanism that you were taught like did they, did they say this is a good idea to try no I actually done loads of research then myself I mm. went on to Pinterest I went online to like to see I was googling self-soothing I was and I seen this then, so I made it up. Very good. And then one of, um, with DBT, dialect behavioural therapy, there's a thing called TIP. So it's temperature intense exercise, pace breathing, and then self, tips, self-soothing. So I threw myself into that then, but the temperature is war, cold war. So I'd be submersing my head into cold war. And holding it there until I couldn't feel my face anymore. Until I calmed down. Because the whole idea is you're hot on the inside with all these emotions. So you're shocking your system. Your body thinks you're drowning. Like your mind thinks you're drowning because you have your head in this cold water. So that helped. Then the intense exercise. I'd be running up and down the stairs. I'd be out the back punching a punching bag. Then I'd do my breathing. And then I'd soothe myself with a blanket or something like that. And the telly or colouring or something like that. And still to this day, I use those skills. I only used them yesterday. So I still do them because that's the only way to keep me well. Like it's, there's no, for, there's no medication for my illness. It's not like depression that you'll take an antidepressant and everything gets better. You just have to learn how to cope with your emotions and cope with life when you're dysregulated. You just have to bring yourself back down by doing the water, doing the intense exercise, by the breathing and kind of my mantra now. <laughs> tip yeah and how long did it take you to get to to that like how many years was it the struggle and um, I only kind of copped on last year so six years 
I was well so 2016 2017 I wasn't well I was well 2018 2019 and then I got pregnant in 2020 and I was fine for the first 20 weeks of my pregnancy I had like morning sickness and stuff and then my mood started to change and I was putting it down to oh pregnancy hormones pregnancy hormones but then the anger started coming out again and they wanted to self-harm and wanted to die so I went to my GP and I was like look this isn't this isn't normal I was saying it's a depression she was like no it's not Stacey it's the borderline coming back out again so she referred me into the Rotunda Mental Health Services and I was seen by them within a few days and when you got pregnant you were were you well when you got pregnant yeah I was doing really well I had had a miscarriage before Mm. I yeah I got pregnant in May and I had a miscarriage and then I got pregnant again I have endometriosis so there was a chance that I wouldn't have a baby so the doctor was like it's kind of now or never I was in a full-time job for over a year I was like doing really well Mm. so we were like oh why not Mm -hmm. you know like we we were saying about getting a house but if it was either having a house or having a baby we were like well we're going to try have a baby we're together six years at this stage Mm. why not try have our baby if it means we'll never get that if if we don't have them now it means we might never get to have it so we'll have our baby so Mm. I was doing really well I was like everything I was in a full-time job I was back out living my life I was and did the miscarriage have an effect on you my mood wasn't great yeah I took to the bed for about a week but like any woman would do the exact same so mm. I didn't read too much into it I said like mm. any woman's going to do this it's not only me I still I try to re- like compare myself to others in well what would they do no like anyone to do this so it's okay mm. so like it didn't have a major effect other than being really sad and but when the mental health team seen me they were like yeah it's, I'd come off all my meds sorry at this stage mm. as well um, they were like no it's your borderline back on your medication so that was fine so they kept an eye on me when I had all the way the rest of the way through my pregnancy the nurse was there I'd go in and have had appointments they actually brought me up to the labour ward before I had Alex so it wouldn't be a whole new experience on the day which was all great like they were really supportive but they said to me um there's a chance you're going to get postnatal depression now I was like oh yeah no not going to be me no I already have this what do you mean I get postnatal depression no 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 I was completely wrong I got postnatal depression but they won't treat you for the first two weeks because they put it down to baby blues so on the third week I rang the nurse in the rotunda and she came out and she'd done a home assessment a home visit and she was like no it's definitely postnatal depression I had no interest in my baby at this stage I every time I looked at him I'd sob I just every time he'd cry I'd be like oh no I don't want to like it was like he was in mine that's how it felt and it broke my heart like I was absolutely devastated I was like this is all I've ever wanted this is what we tried so hard to have and now I don't want them so we had the nurse start me on antidepressants with the psychiatrist and he rang he'd be on the phone to me every week the psychiatrist in the rotunda which was great but I was getting no better at all and I stopped sleeping come eight o'clock it'd be like which an hour I'd sit and sob because I was like how am I going to cope tonight Alex wouldn't settle in his cot in his crib and he'd only settle if he was on my chest so I was like oh my god first of all I don't want this child now he'll only sleep if he's in my arms Mm -hmm. like I'm not sleeping what am I going to do they started me on new meds then again and I did they had warned me they said look you're going to be drowsy you're going to need help you won't be able to do the night feeds and this and that Mark my partner was back to work full-time at this stage but my mom stepped up god love her and she done every single night feed because Mark works in the airport, so mm. he works shift. So he could be in at four o'clock in the morning. So he couldn't do like a five o'clock feed. So my mom 
my mom took over and she was like Alex's mother for the first few weeks few months of his life like that's how it felt I was like he's not my baby that's not my baby because I'm not doing anything for him like even trying to bat them and I was like oh my god making a bottle I was like oh why why me why do I have to do this I don't want to I don't want to feel like this and all I wanted to do was get into bed and pull the covers over my head and but I couldn't because I had this baby to look after as much as everyone in the house supported me because we still live at home mm. like they were still like to me say it's your baby you know you still have to do these things so eventually the tablets start working and I start coming around and I did start like I start smiling at him again and wanting to feed him and I'm wanting them to bat them which was great but I was robbed I still say that now I was robbed of the first few months of his life I didn't get that nice stage I wouldn't leave the house with him on my own I actually wouldn't leave the house with him and then COVID started mm. so we had all that in the mix of it as well but before COVID he was a few weeks old and I had to go out to Blanche to get something and Mark was like we'll bring him I was like no we won't he's like what do you mean no we won't bring our own son I was like I'm not bringing him I was like I'm not going if he's coming I was terrified to bring him out into the world and how would I manage with him out and like being out with him in the world and what if he needs a feed how do I do that like I just couldn't comprehend how to live my life with this new baby and yeah it was just crazy were you terrified for him or was it terrified for me and him I didn't know mm. like I was like what if something happens to him when we're out like what if again what if we're in a car crash what if we're I'd catastrophize everything like what if he won't drink his bottle and then he'll starve like everything was a big catastrophe it's mad isn't it yeah like little things that it's it's really mad mad is not the word but like no but it is like <laughs> yeah. that is the only word to describe it like yeah. it's just yeah. like yeah it was just but then I started to like being a it sounds so bad like and I hope when he grows up he doesn't think that I didn't want him because I always did but I feel like we did lose out on so much bonding time mm-hmm. when he was younger I look at people with babies now and I'm like look at them like they're able to bring them out on a walk look at them sitting enjoying holding their newborn where I didn't get any of that I didn't so I definitely feel like I was robbed for the first few times and when you think back to like when you think about other mothers like you think I had a history of mental health issues so I kind of got it Mm. but other mothers new mothers don't and they just think they're going mad and they don't have like the support isn't really there like you're waiting on your checkups with the public health nurse now I was already with the mental health team so I was lucky in that sense but other mothers just like one of my friends had postnatal depression and she just didn't get it at all she was like oh I just don't want to eat now she wouldn't let the baby out for sight she had to do other like Mm. she had it another way to me Mm. but no one was allowed like near the like they were allowed you could go over and hold them if you mm. wanted and stuff but like she wouldn't leave the house without them and she wouldn't she wasn't eating and wasn't sleeping and wasn't drinking and it was only she was kind of like right I better go and see the GP there's something going on that she was diagnosed with postnatal depression then but that went on for months so I don't think there's enough education mm. out there for new mothers and I think that's the thing like I don't like I kind of think back so I I had a touch of it on Aria on Amelia I was so determined not to have it because I had like a history in my personal life of abandonment so I was like so gung-ho that I was not going to let this happen to Amelia and it was due to postnatal depression the abandonment and that's okay you know um so with Amelia I wasn't and then where Aria Aria got sick um, and when we were out at Christmas, so I blamed myself because she nearly died. And then I remember my friend coming up to the house 
and fucking lashing me out of it. She pulled back all. She went around the whole house, opened all the curtains. She opened all the blinds. She opened the window. She was like, what are you doing sitting in a dark room with your baby? And then she rang Paul and she was like, have you not noticed your wife is in trouble? Um, and I didn't. I, do you know what? I It actually, when Paul brought home a diary to me, um, he was like, why don't you write in that? And then I was like, boom, like light bulb moment is actually a problem, so I'm going to just fix it. And I, mm. I'm very lucky that I was strong enough, probably because I dealt with a, the abandonment issues for years in my life, that I was in a, better, a safe place. So I, I fixed it myself, thankfully. But no one spoke to me. Like, do I, the baby blues. What the fuck is the baby blues? Yeah. Why are you romanticising it? Like, why are you the baby blues? Oh, she's a bit of baby blues. No, she hasn't got a bit of baby She's fucking going to a little depression. Do you know what I mean? I know you're thinking like this day and age people it's it's still a real taboo subject it's still I remember going back to college and we had to do placements obviously like all nursing is practical mm. and I remember going back after being out for so long after the year out and one of them said oh we haven't seen you around I said I was out my mental health and one of my CPCs there are clinical placement coordinators I was like Stacey that's a private issue you don't discuss that now I worked out in St. Eta's at this stage that's where I was doing my placements oh my the home God. of mental health <laughs> And he was like to me, they're your personal things. You do not speak about them. I was like, what do you mean I don't speak about them? It's something that happened. I was like, I don't care if people know that. That's how I felt. I said, like, if that helps someone else. And he was like, no, you don't talk about that. I was like, here we are in 2018. And you were telling me we don't talk about that. Or 2017. In the environment in you're environment. working in, yeah. which should be like a more be more acceptable. Yeah. And I'll never forget that day. I was like, oh my God. I was like, that just shows where we, we're still at in the world. Where I'm not, like, I'm not ashamed of my issues anymore. Mm. I was at the start because I, but like, they're okay. Like, it's okay not to be okay. And I don't think it's said enough. Like, mm. people say it, but no one really means it, you know. I'm very lucky with all my friends that I have. Like, all my friends I have now. I was only talking to my mom about this earlier on. I've chosen them. I know we all choose our friends, but I don't have friends of inconvenience. I don't have friends that I was in school with that were just friends for being friends. Like all my friends in my life now, I've made sure they're still around and I have the best bunch of friends ever because they all understand. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And my mental health and they'll text me, how are you? And I'm not afraid to text back and say, do you know what? I'm not doing well now. You know where we are. I'm like, I do know where you are. Thanks. And if I need you, I'll get in touch with you. But I think some people, when they text you or ask you, how are you? They just want that answer that yeah and grand yeah how are you yeah mm. where people don't really want to know mm. yeah and then tell me then about pregnancy and the meds starting to work and then what how did that change your life I still didn't want to be pregnant I hated everything about my last mm. few months of being pregnant I was signed off work because I was unstable like my mood was so unstable I was lashing out again and I wasn't as bad I wasn't smashing things and people weren't I wasn't shouting at people. I had kind of learned how to deal with that for therapy the first time. Mm. Um, but yeah, the rest of my pregnancy just kind of sailed by. But I had balloons. The meds that I were on, I was on, just made me balloon. And I'm still having lost that weight. So that's the only downside mm. to that medication that it just makes you put on. I put on three stone in the space of a few months. I know again that's like it's just like and again that would knock your confidence and that would screw with your mind again yeah so I came off that I was like I don't Mm. want to be on it I don't want to be on it so they took me off and put me on something else which kind of worked it wasn't until I went back to see the mental health team last year when I became sick again that I was like oh right that wasn't working they put me on a new tablet but only the other day my nurse said to me Stacey maybe it's time for the Alanzapine again and I was like no no way and she was like I know the side effects and it's your decision in the end I'm getting married in June I was like no way I'm not going on that's what I'm way on one hand I'm saying oh I'll do anything to get better but but at what cost like my confidence goes down I need a whole new wardrobe and just isn't worth it like I know and it is those things that you do think about. You think about walking down on your wedding day, yeah. walking down the aisle, the photos, people seeing you. But you have to remember, though, everyone that's going to be at your wedding is going to be there because you chose them to be at your wedding, like you chose your friends. Yeah. So that's something that you have to, like, no one in that room is going to judge you. They're going to think, oh, my fuck, look, can you believe she's walking down the aisle after everything she's been through? yeah I suppose yeah it's still it's still in your mind though I think it's just a typical woman thing yeah. isn't it like no I know oh, what would they think yeah what will, what will I look like in my photographs hopefully I won't need the meds we'll wait and see but like after Alex was born I went back to work mm. and then I got COVID Christmas 2020 we had only just got engaged and that was the start now of my next journey into my illness because we're only engaged I said that like I was like great 2021 is going to be amazing I'm going to be absolutely it's going to be great we're going to plan a wedding we're going to do everything and I got COVID and I was in bed New Year's Eve crying my eyes out <laughs> I can't believe I'm starting my new year without my child without my son mm. like his first New Year's Eve and without my partner like 
without anyone I was just up in bed by myself and then I started parents leave and then I had an anxiety attack and I'd never had one of them before I was scrolling through Instagram and I seen someone had something up and the whole post just triggered me I couldn't breathe I had to call my mom I thought I was dying I was like I can't breathe my legs were shaking everything like I just felt like my whole body had drained I was like mom I can't breathe I really can't breathe so we got my breaths under control and that was kind of the start of it again then I started losing it again not losing it I had controlled it completely controlled my moods to before but I'd lash out at myself I was back wanting to self-harm suicide and I was like like I have a child I have everything I want in the world and here I go again like why me why is this happening again so we, I worked all through it again went back and seen the nurse once a week been put back on meds that was great went back to work last October I lasted in work until February and it all started all over again <laughs> this time was completely different though I had no interest in life I just didn't want to live I didn't want to do anything I didn't feel like if usually felt I was doing all my skills which usually make me better when I start doing them like I was doing my therapy with the nurse one-on-one I was getting out for walks I was doing whatever I took up craft in in 2021 I hated doing that in 2022 I didn't know who I was anymore I didn't like any of the same things I didn't like the same food I didn't really like anyone I didn't like anyone I didn't like myself I just my whole life had it felt like being back in 2016 turned upside down again it got to the point I wasn't safe enough to be on my own because I was telling them I'm going to kill myself. So my dad had like bars for doing pull-ups on the wall out the back. He took them down. Everything was moved in the house. My mom took the shed keys wherever she went because we have a big industrial shed out our back with loads of uh, wood. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'd never been violent. I'd never wanted to hurt myself violently until last year and then all like all I wanted to do was smash my head off the wall all I wanted to do was like I'd never said I'd I'd hang myself I'd always say I'm gonna overdose on meds and that was just always my plan up until last year so everything had changed about this time and they got me into a day hospital because to give my dad a break my dad's at home with me to give him a break he couldn't even leave the house without me towing behind him or I couldn't even be like up every morning he'd come up open the curtains come on time to get out of bed like I had I needed to be I was like a baby I needed everything done for me the food put in front of me drinks put in front of me because I couldn't think oh god I'm hungry like that didn't enter my head and then I I still had this little boy to look after completely couldn't look after I couldn't look after him I couldn't look after myself noise became a big issue I couldn't sit in the room and if the telly was on and someone was having a conversation I had to leave the room so I had started to isolate myself more and more because noise was a big issue people like someone breathing I'd want to strangle them like someone eating I'd want to strangle them it just became and then I still had all this anger inside me and I didn't know what to do what happened to Alex while this was all happening everyone looked after him like I'm so blessed like everyone pulled together like my mom would have him my dad would have him his daddy like his daddy's still working full-time through all this his other nanny and granddad like could take him down Mark actually said in his house a lot he used to take him down for the night so I didn't have to worry about him like now Alex is a great sleeper he goes to bed and he sleeps all night but Mm. still like Mark could take him off out of the house and 
I just didn't know what to do I was trying to get all my anger out like I've been taught to with the intense exercise but I was like I don't want to scare him I don't want to be screaming and shouting like they the nurse would say to me just go upstairs and scream and stamp and just get it all out I'm like I don't want to do that around him so we turned into a game and him would stamp around the kitchen we'd I'd give him a bath and we'd splash in the water in the bath really and yeah I was trying not to hide it from him because she said to me like if I start hiding if you start going upstairs and crying and he seeing you then afterwards he's going to think well it's not okay to cry around people and she said you don't want to be teaching him bad habits of how to deal with his own emotions so I was trying to cry and say mommy's just sad today and maybe a hug will make mommy feel better and mommy just feels a little bit angry should we stamp around the kitchen and we'll get all her anger out and so I was trying to include him in everything as much as possible but still shield him at the same Mm. time so it was really hard and then all I could think of is he'd be better off without me like I for the first he he was two at the stage I was like for the first two years of his life I had postnatal depression then I've had my borderline issues playing up and then again I was sick so every single year of his life I've been sick and I'm like what sort of mother is that to him like that's not fair on him now he doesn't see any of that he sees me through rose tinted glasses mm. I'm his best friend in the whole entire world and he only wants mammy to this day like his daddy was in work all day yesterday didn't see him and not even where's my dad mm. it was only when he went to bed last night is daddy not here like it's just all about me and that's what they say to me at home like it shows that when you're even when I'm not well I still try to do everything with him and they said you know like it shows how much of a good mammy actually are that they're that he still he doesn't see me any different mm. so and we were saying off um just before we started like that some yesterday you had a bad day yeah and you think he was picking up on that yeah I definitely think he was my angel sent he's mm. definitely my angel on earth like he definitely I don't know I don't know if we have this special bond maybe because he under, I don't know if I feel like he understands at three years of age he understands like I'm not well again I'm back out of work so another year of his life and I'm sick again um but he definitely understands like he came over to me the other day I was feeling really suicidal so I was making sure I always make sure to stick around people because I want to act on it but I don't want to leave him like what's his life going to be like without a mommy like daddies can do so much and they're great and nannies are great but there's no one like your mom like there just isn't so I was like as much as I want to do it I don't want to do it so I fight it so I make sure I'm around people but he came over to me and he was like mommy I love you so much you're my bestest friend and then just went off and started playing again I was like it's just little things like that and then mm. yesterday he just kept saying things to make me laugh like oh like <laughs> we went out to Hote and my dad said to him what are we going out to Hote to see and he said all oh, my poo in the sea I was like sorry yeah that's where my poo goes it goes out we only uh, potty trained him at Christmas oh, yeah, that's where my poo goes so uh, I'm driving the car and I'm like hysterically laughing I'm like did you mm. just say that and then other little bits we were playing he loves to play I spy so we were playing that and I said I spy something just say green mm. and here he is mm, I'm thinking and I'm thinking what am I thinking I think it's mm, mm. and he's giving and he's rubbing his chin oh, and God. just li- he yeah. just knows how to cheer yeah. me up like yeah, even yeah. on my worst days he makes me smile yeah so I'm blessed I do think he was my angel sent to me because like he makes he gives me the fight now like nothing against the rest of my family but I never had the same fight in me since I have him Mm. now like he gives me a reason to live no matter how sick I am he gives me the reason to keep going like when on my darkest days I'm like he would be better off without me like what use am I to him like all I want to do is die like 
there's people out there that can't have kids and look at me how ungrateful am I and but then on my good days I'm like no I do deserve them and Mm. like of course I do who doesn't deserve their own kids like but yeah he is he's amazing he keeps me going tell me about your dad my dad's amazing all my family are amazing but I don't know me and my dad have like this little my dad's retired so he's at home with me so he minds me all the time it was always my mom because she used to take time off work when I was sick Mm. she'd take time off work to look after me but my dad started to do it then but I don't know at the start he couldn't get it his nephew commits suicide and a few year, good few years ago now and it was always why 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 but it wasn't until he always says it wasn't until it landed on his doorstep with me he gets it like you know everyone has something going on and you don't always realize what's happening in people as I was saying like I was ashamed no one in my family knew mm. so it's only now he's he's really got it and um, and he he just gets it now like he not yesterday he knew I was ha- he just knew I was having a bad day from because I got up late and I did eventually get up and he was like right what are we having to eat today because I haven't been eating and give me your water bottle and I'll fill that up and I'll get you a drink because I've been forgetting when you're not well it doesn't enter your head that you're hungry or thirsty it's just not something I'm so preoccupied with my race and thoughts and trying to calm them down and trying to kind of comprehend what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling I don't so he now registers right she hasn't eaten or she hasn't drank or do you know what you need to get out for a walk no I don't want to go for a walk no we're going out for a walk he brought Alex to school for me yesterday so I didn't have to um he made sure the water was on so I could have a shower and then yeah he just he made sure we got out he came out to hope with me because he knows it gets all too much with me. Well, Alex, he's a three-year-old. He's a typical three-year-old yeah, running around wild mm. and it gets too much for me. I don't be able to, I get really overwhelmed mm. and the noise as well. I don't be able to cope. So like my dad takes Alex off for me. Like, yeah, he just, he just gets it now mm. where he never really did. But with time, he's just got it. Be lost without I'd be lost him. without all of them. Yeah. They're all amazing. Mm. Like my whole family are so supportive, even like Mark just knows now as well when I have a bad day they all get it like even my auntie Tina like she she'd just be great like she was on to me all last week right we're going for a walk today okay come on we go here today and I had to say to her during the day like you have your own life it's okay mm. like don't worry there's people at home I mean she was like oh grand I actually have stuff to do today but mm. she was putting her whole life on standstill for me but so I was looked after and my mom is the same my mom's like my angel my mom just, she does know I'm sick before I know I'm sick. Mm-hmm. And she she just, yeah, she's just amazing. Like, she'll make sure that I'm fed. When my dad's, if my dad's not there, like, it's always my mom. My mom's always been my main caregiver. Like, she's taught my dad over time how to care for me. But, like, through it all, she was there. And as I said, she was so isolated in it. And it's only now I'm kind of like, I can't believe I've done that to her because my mom wears her heart in her sleeve. She'll cry over everything and psychiatrist actually said it to her last year she was like you know we have to know Stacey's susceptible to other people's moods mm, yeah, you kind of have yeah. to rein it in yeah. because she was sitting <laughs> sobbing in my appointment like sobbing she was like she's not getting better she's not getting better but it wasn't until I seen the consultant psychiatrist I was diagnosed with depression as well so mm. now I have low mood and borderline so I now have to learn how to live with both of them so like this time when I became sick we were able to identify really quickly that it was my mood mm that wasn't that had dropped so they started me on a higher dose of antidepressants 
But in the meantime, my borderline symptoms have now started because I've been dysregulated. So now I'm back to being agitated and wanting to hurt myself. And so it's another trip back into all the skills. And now they've told me that working full time is no longer for me because they've noticed a pattern that every time I start working, I go back to work and I do reduced hours because I have all my annual leave to use. Mm -hmm. So that's grand. I work three days a week and then I go back full time for a month and a half. And I'm back out of work then sick. So they've now said to me, full-time work is no longer for you. If you had told me that two years ago, I would have said, no, like my life is ruined. Like this is again my life. Mm. Why my life? Why me? Why this? Where now I've accepted like this is my illness and to be me and to keep me well, I'm going to have to do these things. So I'm now going to start working part-time. Good for you. But that's what I have to do to keep me well and why not? Yeah. Just what's just things you to put in place and do it and just that's do it. it. Like it's like my contingency contingency plan. Mm-hmm. Like when I start coming unwell, I ring the nurse. When I when my food starts, my eating starts to go, I make a food planner and put it on the fridge. So mm-hmm. if I don't make it, someone at home, like that's why I'm saying I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. Someone at home said, right, she's after saying she's gonna have a sandwich or something. They'll make the food and put it in front of me. Or mm-hmm. like she hasn't been out of the house in two days right come on we're going out for a walk we're just even going to go and have a coffee somewhere or like there's all these little things when I have too much energy me and Alex now play a game called dinosaurs and we stamp around the kitchen and scream like two lunatics but he thinks it's great and Mm. it's helping me but he just thinks we're playing a game and like if I have to put my head in cold water every day to make me well I just have to do it and it, it does I get better in the end like every time I wouldn't be sitting here if I, if I didn't get mm. better and got through it but mm. they have told me like they don't know what causes me to become unwell like they're saying maybe it is work now I'm too stimulated in work because they were saying you're oh you're so sensitive to noise and light and people and and they have told me like nursing probably won't be the right career path for me to go down like for the rest of my life like see how the reduced error go reduced errors go and maybe change career where now I'm except I think I finally accepted my illness I'm like right okay if that keeps me well mm-hmm. where any other time I would have said no what do you mean like that's not fair that's not it's, it used to always be why me why me this mm-hmm. isn't fair like why can't someone else have this where now I'm like yeah okay I'm gonna get better like Mark when he said to me yes he said something has changed and I said what do you mean he said this time around it wasn't oh here we go again this is my life why this isn't fair he said to me the first thing he said to me is right how do I get myself better so I t- it's taken me seven years with this diagnosis to finally say yeah right this is me like that song from mm-hmm. the greatest showman <laughs> like and yeah. that's kind of the way I look at it now like right this is me and I have to love myself warts and all because mm-hmm. everyone else around me loves me warts and all so why make myself a stick and Mm. make like it only prolongs my journey every time when I do that so yeah good for you tell me about Mark Mark's yeah me and Mark are together since we are since I was 19 I'll be 29 this year so he's oh he's great he he gets it like people always say to me you're so lucky I'm like yeah but so is he because when I'm well I really feel like (laughs) Mm. um but he has to with me through absolutely everything he is he's my rock he really is like he's been there through it all and he sees me no different like when Mark looks at me he still looks at me like the day when we first met Um, he doesn't see the bad side of me like he'll always see the good and he'll 
say to me you know like it's fine we'll get through it like um we're going to get through this it's going to be fine and it just be right at the time I'd be like no it's not going we're not going to get through it this time this is it but it's only this time around he's kind of started saying to me why are you sick again where that's never been a problem Mm. I think it's after hitting home to him this is going to be my life but again my mental health team are so amazing they're after saying bring Mark in and we're going to have a chat with him that we're going to teach him about what's going on and how like he can cope because with us getting married now I keep saying to him Mark this is my life you know that don't you like this is my life and he's like no I know that I'm like no but this is the time to walk away like I won't blame you and like I'll completely understand if you walk away now and he's like I don't want to walk away I don't want to walk away um I want to stay with you you know this I know this is your life and I'm here to support you through it and so I'm blessed and he's a great daddy and yeah, I'm just blessed with him. Has he ever gone into the counselling? No, he's never done anything. Mm. See, Mark only like Mark moved into my house when we had Alex. So he was shielded for from it for so long because he was shielded from it for four years. Because if I was having a bad day, I just wouldn't let him come up. I'd just be like, no, stay at home today. Or I, my mom would say to him, look, Mark, we're not doing great. Or he'd be like, I just want to pop in this here for 10 minutes. Like he was still there or he used to drop me up get me a takeaway and drop it at the door like even if I said I don't want to see you or he drops stuff into me but it got to the point that I wouldn't even let him sit on the same couch as me because I hated being in my own skin so much I didn't want anyone else touching off me mm. so but he used to come up and just sit on the other sofa and we'd sit in silence and he used to just sit there in silence with me and he was like I'm still getting to see you so it doesn't matter but it's I think now it's starting he's kind of like right now is the time I need to learn about this because like he's going to be my husband so he's going to be my next to kin he's going to be the one that's going to be there it's not going to be my mom anymore well my mom's still there but he's like this is my job I need to learn about it so he's going in now on Tuesday to meet my nurse and get a full lowdown of who I am and mm. my illness like he knows who I am but he doesn't know the ins and outs mm. of everything and how to help me when I'm ill and when I'm well so I, I always say and like people like that, but I think you're blessed, aren't you? Like yeah. you're 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 totally blessed with all of that support that you have around you. I'm so lucky because some people don't have the support that I have mm. and I know how lucky I am. I really do. Like I'm just I actually read through all my blogs last night. I've never read through them after and I noticed a hundred spelling mistakes. I was like, Oh god, I was gonna fix all them. <laughs> but I haven't read them since I wrote them. Like I write them and I kinda like I put it in a little box. Mm. But I think when I'm so unwell, I block it out when I am well then I don't remember what has happened. So I had to go and read them to be like so I could remember, so mm. I could talk about it. But like when I read back through them, the stuff I put them through and they just stood by me. I only said it to my aunt more and I was like, All that stuff I put you through and she was like yeah, but when you're well, Stacey, you know, you're air Stacey and we'll take you good and bad because that's you. So, yeah, yeah I'm truly, truly blessed. And again, I just, we know what we just said, I said, like your brother through it all, did he find it difficult? Yeah, he was doing his leaving cert at the time as mm. well. And he said yeah. he did and he actually only told us that he took up smoking and all. none of us knew. He was like, I took up smoking throughout all my leaving cert because of the stress I was under in the house. Mm. But him as well, like, he's great. He'll come in, he'll pop his head into my room and be like, oh, there you are, do you want a hug? Or, how are you today? And I'm like, oh, crap. He's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you want to talk about it? Mm. Do you want to go for a drive? Like, he's 24 now, so mm. he was only 16 when all this started. Mm. He was, yeah, he would have been about that. But 
he even him i'm blessed with him like he just he makes a joke out but sometimes he's like oh here we go here's psycho now coming into the room <laughs> and um he just slagged my mom as well my mom sean has a new girlfriend that's my brother mm. he has a new girlfriend and my mom was saying it i wasn't in a good mood one day and she was in the house and she was like stacy suffers for her mental health <laughs> trying like trying not i'm in the room with my good hair i was like yeah. yeah i do suffer my mental health but my mother just be like every time he sees my mom now and i'm not well and he's like she suffers for her mental health you know that don't you <laughs> <laughs> so he makes a joke out of yeah. it but it's nice that he yeah. makes a joke out of it because yeah. he normalizes it like it's not yeah. swept under the carpet it's not hush hush but like and then he'd call me out he'd be like you know you're just being an absolute bitch today and you do know that i'm like oh yes yeah, sorry i'll rein it in so yeah he, and it's lovely because in a way what's happening with you is probably teaching him to has taught him to be a better person to be more understanding and he'll take that in his life going forward yeah he did he's such a caring person like mm. he's just he's, he's every bar of my mom he's such a softy like mm. he does get upset he's never read my blogs and he's like and i never will read them because mm. like, i can't see it from your point of view he's like it's too upsetting for me he said like i can't do that but the amount like he shared my blogs and the amount of his, fr- his friends that got in touch with him and said i've gone for help now mm. like my own cousin was tell, telling us like he suffered with his mental health and none of us knew he tried to throw himself off O'Connell Bridge and a taxi man actually stopped him on a night out and none of like my auntie or nothing knew and he went for help so like that was the, my main purpose of sharing like my story with others if it helped and it did I know now mm. personally that it has helped one or two people so if that's all it helped but my cousin got help and he's he's grand now mm. like he's back to himself because sometimes not for you but sometimes it's a blip in the road sometimes it's just that you need to put stuff in to place that helps you to get through those feelings when you're navigating them um so right now you're well you're no i'm i'm not um Mm. i kind of put on a little act when i'm going out into public to Mm. be but no i'm not my the anger is back the agitation is back the noise sensitivity is back my mood don't want to get out of bed don't want to do this don't want to do that but I know that's not going to help me I took to the bed all morning yesterday and my dad was like enough is enough get up I was like right I do have to get up because like I'm not going to get better lying in bed and I'm not going to get better sitting in a dark room and I'm not going to get better by hurting myself so I just get up and try to get on Mm. with my day like it's any other day and but as I said to you, I can't even believe that you're sitting in front of me and telling your story. So it just, that must be in you to want to help. Yeah, it does. Because when you got in touch, I wasn't going to say, oh, look, no, I'm not well. Mm. So I don't want to do this. It's the perfect time for me to do it because I'm living it at the moment. Mm. Like I'm living through the agitation. Like, as I said, my head is in the water three, four times a day. Like for five minutes since, you know, like I'd put it down for 30 seconds take it back up and I could do that for five minutes straight and then go away from it go into the intense exercise do the pace breathing do something like I like and then I'm back into that maybe 10 minutes later because it only doesn't have such a lasting mm. effect but do you see swim I do mm. yeah I actually haven't gone in ages mm. but I'm getting back into it now yeah I it's amazing the benefits it has for my head and I could completely lie back, even no matter how cold it is. I get my ears and all covered. Mm. And it's just... It, the weight of the world just be taken off me. And it just be amazing. Yeah, because I see Martina does, doesn't she? We yeah. do it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see her do that. Um, I usually end with, like, what does the future hold? But for you, do you look to the future? 
I only said to Mark today, today's the first day I feel hopeful. Mm. I said that to him this morning. Um, I think my antidepressants are finally starting to kick into my system now. But yeah, like I still have all my plans for the future. I don't be able to, it does be very cloudy at times. But like I only said to him during the day, I want to grow old with you. And he was like to me, but you promise me that you'll be around to grow old with me. I was like, well, that's a promise that I can try and keep, which I will try and keep, I said. But I don't know like what tomorrow holds for me. Like I, as I said, I only got four months this time being completely well. Mm. So I guess such short stints of it. But when I'm well, like I, yeah, I completely look to the future. And when I'm not well, I just look, try and find the light at the end of the tunnel that I'm in or uh, another metaphor. Like, you know, the storm can't last forever. You're going to dock eventually. Like you're on your boat, but your boat will have to dock eventually. So that's what I try to. So every time I'm not well, I look to my boat finally docking. And on that note, we leave it there. Grand. Thanks so much. Do you know what? Like, I'm just like, I'm kicking myself because Martina, I think, is asking me probably a year to sit down with you. And then I know things happened and you went off social media. And then I, so, and I was trying to get it around. And the, the whole piece of this podcast that I always have to remember is that the reason I do it is to help, to try and help. Mm-hmm. Not me, like, I'm not going to sit in here saying I'm God and I'm helping the world. No, I know what you mean. It's yeah. me to try and get the guests to come on and tell the story because. I have a teenage daughter now that I, like, you know, you have to watch because kids now, whether they use self-harm for attention or they use self-harm because they're really, really struggling and that is the only way to, what's that word? To, it's to release, like, that's, release. What, I, well, that's what I yeah. say, like, a release. Yeah, to release that thing. So, like, and even then I shouldn't have even made that hand gesture, oh, like, no, it's like that I shouldn't, like, but it's like, it's such a worry now. And I think the reason why it's more, kind of why the kids are more woke is that social media piece i think i only said i was so lucky i didn't grow up with all like Mm. i only got my first phone i think when i went into secondary school maybe so 12 Mm. but now kids have them from yeah eight nine like they're so Mm. exposed to everything and it's yeah it's not okay it's a scary world we're in and what we're going to face isn't it it's so much scarier than it was when i was growing up like kids don't even play out anymore i know I know. Like, Ari, all, do you know, all Aria wants to do is play out. But nobody comes out on this road. No one comes out. And her cousins come up. And like, a couple of friends. And I know the weather's bad and all. But all she wants to do is to be out. Alex is the exact same. He just wants to play outside. Yeah. Time. And the kids on the road. He's, like, the youngest. But fair play to him. They do play with him. Yeah. But, like, only a few kids to be out. Like, compared to the amount of kids. Yeah. That when we were all grown up, that's all we were. Like, was... Get out and play. No, you're not yeah. watching telly. It's sunny out. Get out and play. Yeah. And now it's like, oh no, here's the iPad. And yeah. Here's this and here's that. Yeah, and she comes back and she's so deflated and so devastated. Not coming out. And she's a face now and I'm like, right, you want to do something then? Let's do something together then. Let's. And But then also when you're working, you're like, oh, well, okay, go knock for someone else. And she's like, there's nobody else. No one wants to come out. I know, I still have to do stuff. I know Alex yeah. is more. I was like, can you play with me? I was like, give me two minutes. I'm just going to make breakfast and I'm just going to mm. have breakfast and oh ma'am please you're like oh i know it's so hard it's so hard being a mother but then so hard for you and you know i'm not going to say anything to you but just to say thank you like you know thank you for sitting here thank you for coming here and thank you for sharing your story oh no thanks for having me i was like to my mom i was so nervous i was like what if i'm such a letdown what if i'm such a letdown to everyone because my mom listens to your podcasts and i'd listen to them where i do try to shield myself from some stuff because i take on the weight of the world and Mm. that's just what i do so Mm. 
I don't always I wouldn't like purposely turn them on mm. I try to keep everything like hers yeah yeah just because it brings my mood down like I feel I'd feed into it so I try to keep but my mm. mom listens to them all the time I do listen to some of them but like I was like my story is nothing like all the other people I was like what if I'm such a letdown do you know what like I was sitting here and like this isn't offense to everyone because everyone's story is really really powerful but this story is so powerful it's you, like your power is unbelievable. Your story, this story, I know when we put this out, obviously we'll trigger warn it and we'll do all yeah. that. But I would implore every mother to listen to this podcast or father to listen to it. But just because I'm a woman, I'm going to say mother. But like to watch like and to keep an eye and maybe that it gives them strength. Because your mama, as you said, could have thrown you out, could have said, get out, I'm yeah. done. But she didn't. No. She's no, she didn't. I'm, I'm blessed. Like that's the only word I can use to describe. I'm so lucky. Even all my friends, like when they know I'm not well, they don't annoy me, but they still te- send texts. I've had friends, like the friends I went to college with the first time around, would never, like I said to them, like I need space. Mm. Fair enough, they left me and had space, but they mm. never got in contact with me again. Mm. Where mm. the girls that I went when I went back, to, I did go back to college eventually, mm. and I finished out college. And the girls that I went back to, they're amazing. They text me. And they're like, it's like they don't, they know, they detect me. Haven't heard from you in a while. Is everything okay? Mm. I'm like, I'm not doing great. Well, you know, we're here for you, and maybe we'll arrange a coffee. And mm. like, I'm so blessed. One of the girls I went to primary school with is still the same. I told her I met her the other day. I was like, I'm not doing great again. And she's so funny. She's such a L when she goes to me. Is it the head again? The mind? <laughs> I said, Yeah, it's the mind again. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, We'll meet for a coffee. We'll go to Costa. Like, that's gonna make everything better. Yeah. Know? Like she's trying. So I'm, mm. I am really lucky with everyone that's in my life. Thank you, Stacey. Thanks so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.